that you can tell a mach- machine learning person versus a statistics person, even though there's tons of overlap, they'll use very different language to describe the exact same thing. And it's, and it's part of our, I feel like it's our just natural tendency to try to always find ways to s- figure out like what your identity is. Are you a data engineer or are you a data scientist? Are you, I mean, there's all these different labels uh, for people and careers and, and not a lot of like um, effort being put into me like, but, but they're all saying the same thing or, or, you know, it's just twists, very subtle differences rather than entirely different things. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Ken's Nearest Neighbors, the podcast where I bring in fascinating people from my world, talk about life, data science, sports analytics, content creation, and much, much more. I'm your host, Ken G. If you haven't already, we'd greatly appreciate it if you gave us a rating and followed the show. It helps us to continue to bring in incredible guests. This episode of Ken's Nearest Neighbors is powered by Z by HP, HP's high compute, workstation grade, line of products and solutions. Today, I had the pleasure of interviewing Josh Starmer. He is a return guest on the podcast and a lot's changed since the last time he was here. So since the last time Josh was on the podcast, he's actually published a book, the StatQuest illustrated guide to machine learning and today we're going to talk a little bit about what that experience was like he also came on the bright data trip the at the at the bright data house and i'd love to hear his experience there meeting with all these other creators and and just what that was like in general so josh thank you so much again for coming in and and having this little chat with me hooray it's good to be here (laughs) amazing well you know i i was so excited to see you in North Carolina. Oh yeah! Last time, I, I, for those who don't know, on my last trip around <laughs> around the United States, maybe what was that? Almost three months ago. Yeah. Um, Josh had me over to his house. He cooked me a wonderful steak dinner. So, for <laughs> for those who don't know, Josh is also, uh, aside from being an incredible musician, uh, a incredibly insightful studious <laughs> statistician but also an incredible cook so oh thanks <laughs> i know I'm, I'm gonna make you turn red so many times <laughs> during this. um you know i'm interested what what got you interested just in cooking I mean, it's a little bit different but i mean i love food uh, i mean i've loved eating ever since i was a little kid i've always loved eating and uh, when i was like i started cooking my own meals probably when i was six my mom got me a little tiny frying pan and a little spatula i had all this little stuff and I would cook myself breakfasts and lunches. Um, so I've just been cooking my whole whole life. Wow, that, that's that's amazing. It, so something I know uh, that I personally really enjoyed was the rolls you made. Uh, um, yeah is is there any? There are there are actually I would have to say probably my favorite home cooked rolls I've had in my entire life. Um, but. Are there any things that you really enjoy cooking the most? Is there something you, you consider yourself specializing in? Well, I love baking. I love anything with yeast. So those rolls are, are part of my favorite things that I make. I just any yeast is sort of magical, right? You you mix it with flour and water and some salt, and the yeast literally takes on a life of its own and sort of lives in the in the dough and it grows. And I, I don't know. It's kind of it's just magic every time I do it and I, it's never grown old. And, and this is also, it's also one of those things that when I was a kid, my dad baked, he baked bread and, 
And I just loved his bread and always just wanted to make his bread. And so um, I guess it's one of those like multi-generational things as well. That's really cool. I, I, um, yeast has been very interesting for me for other (laughs) reasons. So for those who don't know, and I'm obviously not the expert here, I think Josh knows significantly more about this than I do, but everything that you put into whatever you're using yeast in, whether it's bread or a pizza dough or whatever it might be, um, everything impacts the yeast. So salt in some sense retards the, the, the growth of the yeast, um, temperature is very relevant and time is also very relevant. So you have to pay attention to all these different factors. You know, we might call them different features. Of baking. <laughs> That's um, right. And, and that, that sort of dynamic problem is really fun. And there's definitely an art to, to getting it right based on the, the climate or even the altitude, I would imagine mm-hmm. had some yeah. impact on things. Yeah, there. definitely. It'd be fun to do a little little algorithm associated yeah. with that. Bread <laughs> rises higher at high altitude because there's less atmospheric pressure holding it down. And it's actually um, it's actually a problem for a lot of recipes that are based on the volume of the dough in that uh, you'll get a recipe for bread that says, wait until the dough has doubled in size. Well, at high altitude, it can do that too fast. Mm-hmm. And, and so you really, you have to kind of know that like, that you actually, because time is also an important factor, you've got to like punch the dough down or, or deflate it and let it grow some longer to, to develop the flavor and the gluten. So it doesn't just turn into a brick in the oven. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I will definitely have to get the, the <laughs> roll recipe for Hawaiian temperatures yeah. <laughs> because the humidity, you know, it's not 70 degrees inside. It's like, 80 degrees inside and, and those types of things. So fairly close to my North Carolina yeah. situation as well. Maybe my next book will be the StatQuest Illustrated Guide to Baking. Please. I would, <laughs> I, I would be the first to pick it up 100%. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Well, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned the book. I'm really interested in the story behind that. So, you know, perhaps let's get an origin story. Like, mm-hmm. how, how did you get started with that? What, what was the inspiration for wanting to write a book? Uh, I never wanted to write a book ever. Uh, I thought, I mean, look how thick this is. This is, it's 305 pages long. Uh, writing that many pages is something that just seemed like the worst thing I could possibly do to myself. Um, and so I never, ever wanted to write a book. Uh, but, but fans on my YouTube channel, uh, kept requesting a book. Um, and, oh, and I was like, I don't even, I can't, I do videos. Why should I do a book? I didn't really understand what the, what the advantages are like. I mean, uh, anyways, uh, so gradually over time, I, dis- I discovered that different people learn different ways. Some people are, are learn effectively from the videos. Some people learn more effectively from books. And I think that was uh, something that was kind of slow for me to realize because, uh, because that's what I did. I made videos and I was like, clearly this is the best way to uh, communicate. Uh, but some people really are better with the book. And, and the other thing that's nice about the book, uh, that I didn't realize until I started writing it is, um, when I make my videos in order to keep them from being four hours long each, I try to keep them real focused on the specific topic at hand. And in a book, you can actually look at more big picture things. Um, and you can, um, you can show links between different topics and how they're related and, and, and you can do, I could do a lot more in the book than I can in say a 15 minute video. Uh, so that was a really cool 
thing. Another thing that was nice about the book is over the over the you know past six or eight years I've been making StatQuest videos. I know what the frequently asked questions are for each of these topics. And and in the book, I could include all those sort of lessons learned from things that maybe I could have done a better job explaining in the videos or just things that, um, that just are questions that pop up a bunch of times when, when people want to learn about say, uh, the AUC area under the curve, there's, there's everyone's like, how do you calculate it? And, and my answer is like, you just get a computer to do it. I mean, uh, but, but, you know, people actually want to know. So in the book, I've actually got a diagram of how you can break that shape down into rectangles and triangles and easily calculate the area of each shape. And then you'd add them together. So I was at, I was able to add things, uh, that I'd wished I'd included in the videos originally. That's incredible. And it, you know, it seems like a, a book in this sense, like you described, it sort of ties everything together. It lets you look back at the body of work that you've done and say, okay, these are the meta concepts. These are, this is the story that we've through all of them. I know at least with a lot of my videos, it's like, just like snapshots yes, of, right. of different parts. And if you're talking about, you know, specific algorithms or you're talking about specific stat- statistics concepts, it, it's not this, um, like beginning to end that you, that you might have in a classroom setting. That's right. right. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's something not that was, that was missing from the, the work that you do. Um, but something that really is additive for a different type of user. You yeah. know, we, we've talked before and, uh, your, your, uh, views go way up during midterms yes. and during finals. <laughs> that's exactly right. When, yeah. when students are searching for specific topics. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I love that this is something that you know, I, I, I've been, I've gone through about half now where it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, I, I can start like learning from uh, like these, um, these like benchmarks or these, these signposts and, and pick it up from there rather than just picking from, from the search and those types of things. So it was a very, very meaningful and, and a different look at teaching, which, which I really enjoy Hooray. from your perspective. <laughs> Hooray. Was there anything that really surprised you when you were writing the book or something that you didn't expect? I, well, like I mentioned earlier, I didn't expect I would actually write it. Um, yeah, that was a big shock. What, what happened though, is when I first quit my full-time job in a research laboratory to do YouTube full-time, uh, I really wasn't, I wasn't wasn't making hardly any money at all. I I did the math and I was making less than someone who uh, bags groceries. Uh, And, and I, I really wasn't making enough money to make ends meet. And I tried various things. Like I tried doing consulting and I tried doing a bunch of other random stuff, but what they ended up doing is actually getting in the way of me working on my videos. And the whole point of quitting my full time job was to spend more time doing stat quests. And so I had to figure out another way to get kind of a supplementary income uh, to make ends meet that wasn't consulting and was still kind of focused on stat quests. And so what I did is I made these uh, PDF study guides from for some of my videos, about six of my videos, uh, where I just in a PDF document, I kind of put all the main ideas and the main concepts. And if there were any like equations that were important, I put them in the study guide. And so I started selling these study guides. And as a, as a result of creating those study guides, I saw how I could make my book. And, um, and 
what I realized is I didn't have to write a book that instead of writing it, I could draw it because I, I don't really think very well in words, but I, but I am able to think in terms of images and, and pictures and, and songs. So, yeah. And songs and silly songs. And so once I realized that I could draw my book, you know, and that's, that was the process I, I went through with the study guides. Once I realized I could draw it all of a sudden I was like, Oh, I can actually do it. Uh, so that was like a big, I mean, maybe it wasn't a surprise while I was writing the book, but it was a big surprise in terms of my life in terms of like, I went from being someone who was dead certain I would never, ever be able to write a book because I'm not, I'm not fantastic with words and describing things with words. Um, to someone who was like, Oh, I can write books. And now I'm just like in love with writing books. And all I want to do is write books. <laughs> the process is, I, it's, it's, I mean, I love making videos. Don't get me wrong. Um, and so, you know, and one is silver and the other is gold. Um, but I, right now I'm just like, Oh, this is the process is fun. And, and the end product I've never just holding it in my hands. I'm like, Ooh, this is a book. Yeah, <laughs> it's special. This episode is brought to you by Z by HP. HP's high-compute, workstation-grade line of products and solutions. Z is specifically made for high-performance data science solutions, and I personally use the ZBook Studio and the Z4 Workstation. I really love that Z Workstations can come standard with Linux, and they can be configured with the data science software stack. With the software stack, you can get right to work doing data science on day one without the overhead of having to completely reconfigure your new machine. Now back to our show. There's something really incredible. I mean, I mean, the book is, from my perspective, quite beautiful. Right. I, I think that there's something really fun about your approach to learning in general, right? From our discussions, you you found a way to make all of these concepts fun to you, mm -hmm. and and in different ways. You know, the videos. It's with songs. It's with you know, funny puns and jokes and sound effects. And with the book, it's with a lot of similar sound effects. Yeah. But, but you're reading in your head. It's, a, you know, it's it's drawings, it's action like that. Yeah. And I'm wondering from your perspective, obviously, aside from reading the book and watching your videos, how can people take maybe a lighter approach or a more fun approach to learning some of these technical concepts? <laughs> yeah, it's, that's a good question. Uh, how to lighten the mood. I, I mean, I guess the thing is, is, um, oh, I don't know. I mean, I just, I, I, I mean, I, I genuinely think that statistics and machine, I think it's fun. Um, and, and it, it, it isn't just a bunch of equations. It's actually doing cool stuff. And if you think of it in terms of doing cool stuff and not just in terms of like, fancy complicated scary looking mathematics um maybe it's maybe it becomes more fun when when you when you when you think about what you're doing with it and what the goal is with it um and maybe it's just a matter of having a bigger picture uh and, and not getting lost in the in the greek symbols that they they put in all those equations um yeah i love that i mean i think breaking complex things down into simple concrete examples is is something you do unbelievably well and just cutting through a lot of the noise, cutting through a lot of the jargon. I know I, when I was studying any form of math, when I was studying any form of more technical concepts, I just remember having to write a glossary for myself where, <laughs> yeah, right. and, and I'd yeah. say like 50% of the time yeah. it was focused on learning the, the, like the lexicon. That's right. And then the other half is spent actually implementing and learning the, the meat of the, of the concepts. 
And you know, if we think about it that way, that's fundamentally flawed. Yeah. Right? If, yeah, exactly. If we could shift that ratio just a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I, I've always liked how you've used, you know, songs, fun analogies, whatever it might be to break through a lot of the jargon or, or call it out or sort of in some sense, make fun of the jargon. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's, I think a lot of it is silly. Right. Um, and a lot of it is, um, I don't know. It's just, I feel like every, yeah, it's just a big pile of jargon and it, and a lot of it is, I feel like the jargon is actually designed to intimidate people rather than sort of welcome them in, you know, it's they're they're there to like, like, for example, the concept of a confusion matrix is something that I've been confusing. working on. It's right. Like, I just feel like that name is inherently designed to confuse people. Right. Um, why don't you just call it like true and false positive table? Or I don't know, there could, there could just could be like other names for it that would be more direct and more to the point. One of my Nah, you got me on a roll here. Uh, one of my biggest pet peeves in all of statistics right now, forever, has been this uh, thing called a type one versus type, type two, two error. And like, who comes up with that name? Why don't you call it false positives versus false negatives? We, because that's what they are. They're not like, I mean, sure, there are two types of errors you could make, but one, the, the number one, gives you no information about what kind of error that is. And the number two doesn't either. So, so it's like someone came up with this terminology, which is like pervasive in all statistics just to rain on my parade and make it harder for, cause I can never remember that stuff. Um, and so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's one of those things where I've seen it so many times over the years, but I'm just, I mean, probably it took me about 10 years before I could remember the difference between a type one and type two error. And if someone had just said false positive, false negative from the get go, I would have never had any of that problem. Yeah. I think that that's also perpetuated with, you know, we have statistics, we have data science, we have machine learning, we have, uh, you know, uh, an evolution of the career path where we just call things different things. Right. Yeah. I mean, Features in machine learning are the exact same as independent variables, Yeah. right? And it's like, do we really need another name? I think features yeah. is probably a better name than independent variables, yeah. but they're both used, right? And it's like, you know, some people within the domain call them one thing, some people within the domain call it another thing. And it just does get really confusing when there's so many different names for a lot of the same things. Is there something you think we can do as like a, as a group, as, as people learning statistics or domain that can help? limit those or, or sort of press for a better future? Or is it just about creating fun videos and creating like a more conversation around why that's a problem? Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, I just feel like, I think as humans, we like to make things more complicated than they are. And I think that, I think there is something very, very natural to like, to that tendency either for, uh, like, I think it's baked into our evolution to, to try to, uh, separate one group of people from another group of people. We, we use language to do that and we use it within the field, right? Like you can tell a mach machine learning person versus a statistics person, even though there's tons of overlap, they'll use very different language to describe the exact same thing. And it's, and it's part of our, I feel like it's our just natural tendency to try to always find ways to s figure out like, what your identity is. Are you a data engineer or are you a data scientist? Are you, I mean, there's all these different labels, uh, for people and careers and, and not a lot of like, um, effort being put into me, like 
but but they're all saying the same thing or or you know it's just twists very subtle differences rather than entirely different things so i don't know i uh in some sense i kind of feel like it might be helpless because as soon as you come up with like a common lexicon or a common um shared uh list of words that we're going to use to describe things someone's going to come up with something else that 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 actually ends up being the same thing as like linear regression and they're going to give it a new name and there'll be a new field out there called like data wizards and they're going to use this new language the data wizards are going to be like well i don't know that linear regression thing you guys are doing we call it linear line thing and, you know, and that's, I mean, that's just, I think it's inevitable that weird stuff is going to happen like that. So, so, you know, it's interesting. We've talked and you recently took an awesome new role which oh, is yeah. related to AI and education. Yeah. And that means you're working a lot more close to industry than you perhaps were in the past. Is that something that, you know, you know, what, what are some of the things that you've seen from those experiences now that are a little bit different from what you were experiencing just making videos on your own and creating the stack quest business and, and, and channel and content. Uh, I, I think that what we're describing right now, the, mm-hmm. the lexicon of those types mm-hmm. of things, that's like a very industry heavy thing. Yep. Right. And when we're at home, yep. we don't have to deal with it. But when you go into a new setting, yep. people are calling things different than you've heard them before. And, and you're starting to get exposure to all these, you know, like a lot more confusion comes into play. Yeah. 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 I mean, geez. Um, along the lines of, of sort of different words, uh, and how they're used. I, so my background is in genetics research, uh, but I'm now working for a company that facilitates neural network research. And, um, and I, when I first, uh, started working, uh, for lightning, that was actually a big stumbling block for me because they keep talking about research. And just in my mind, I just thought a bunch of people like, doing experiments and I mean, uh, but not just like on a computer, but like with a, you know, mixing chemicals and, you know, holding vials up to the light and peering through it. And and that's the kind of research I'm more familiar with. And I'm not, I wasn't really familiar with like neural network research. And I didn't even know what that meant. Cause I just thought you create neural networks and you use neural networks. I didn't realize there was a whole like research branch in there. Um, so it was kind of like, uh, a little confusing for me at first, just once I, I, you know, and, and it's one of these things in hindsight, I'm like, Oh, it's obvious, but that was a, a language issue that I had early on with the company. But what I'm really excited about with, with lightning is, um, you know, when I'm, when I was working, doing YouTube all by myself, all alone in my little cave, I feel my fear, a kind of, sort of a constant nagging fear is that I'm going to lose uh, perspective and I'm going to lose sort of like, uh, a sense of what's really going on, uh, in, in terms of what my audience needs to get done. You know, they, they, I can teach concepts all day and all night, but, but is that really going to be what they need to get their job done? You know, is it, are the concepts enough? And I feel, I've always felt like the concepts weren't enough and that's based partly on my college experience experience. I remember I, I went to college and I learned a bunch of stuff and then I got a job and realized that everything was completely different from what I learned in college. And there was a huge, that disconnect between college and my job, um, bothered me, 
because because I I'd, I'd, I'd worked so hard in college to I wanted to get good grades and I wanted to do well on the projects that I had and I I just you know I wanted to get patted on the back all the time so I worked really hard uh, but it was and then I started this job and I realized that like not it wasn't that it just wasn't useful it just it had nothing to do with what I was doing and one thing that's I like about lightning is it is it does help me stay sort of in the loop in terms of what people are actually doing. What are they doing with AI? How are they doing it? What do they want to do with it that they can't do right now? Um, what are the, what concepts are keeping them from taking full advantage of these tools are that, you know, if they, if they understood how it worked a little bit better, would they be able to apply it better? So, uh, that's one thing I'm excited about with this company is they, they kind of keep me grounded and, and not just completely isolated from the rest of the world. Um, and I mean, Ken, I could go on forever about this. So just stop me, but I keep talking about things I'm excited about. No, I love it. So another thing I'm really excited about is, uh, I mean, this is going on for years, ever since I started making my first, uh, uh, video on neural networks, I wanted to have a companion series of how to actually do it. Uh, like in Python or, you know, the language of your choice right now, we're going to use Python. And because I, because I didn't want to just teach theory, I wanted to teach like, this is how you do it. And part of the reason why I wanted to teach, this is how you do it is I'd never done it before. And I felt kind of guilty that I was teaching people the theory and be like, well, that's the theory, but I don't actually know what it, how to do it, you know, in person. I, that was embarrassing to me. So I was like, I really want to have a series of videos where it's hands-on because that's how I'm going to learn it myself. And that's another cool thing that Lightning is helping me with. They've got some of the best PyTorch neural network programmers in the world working for them. And they are, they're teaching me so that I can teach through my videos. I can teach everybody else. And it's, I, I just love it. Um, they're, uh, you know, they're super patient with me and they answer all my little nitpicky, silly questions. And, and I'm super excited about building this series of, of not just, not just theory, but also applied neural networks. And I, and with the hope that this series on neural networks is actually something that people could then do at their work. And it wouldn't just be something that they learned that was completely abstract and not useful at all. That's incredible. I mean, it seems like a, a really good fit, especially for your interest in the actual implementation process. Something I'm interested in also is how have you found it going now working with people mm -hmm. versus when before when you were exclusively working by yourself? Yeah. And that to me must have been a pretty big jump. Yeah, 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 it's true. Um it's it's funny. It kind of goes both ways. Um, in that I think my, my personality is very introverted and I've always worked better when I worked alone. I have a lot of difficulty working in a group. That's, that's, uh, that's just something really hard for me to do. And it's always been that way. Um, and I always just have, if I'm going to get anything done, I've got to find some little quiet corner and just work on my own little thing at my own pace. Um, but working with a company is, is, is also, it's, even though I'm introverted, it's fun to it's people. I still like people. It's, it's, it's not that I don't like people that I'm introverted. It's just that I can't be, a, I, 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 I have to have some time to recharge from time to time. And, but when I, but I do like being around people. And so if I'm around, if I'm, if I'm isolated and alone all of the time, well, that's still, that's still lonely. And, and it's, 
I don't know. I just, I love the people that work. There's this one guy at, um, at lightning, uh, uh named Adrian. And I, and I don't want to, I'm going to, if I try to pronounce his last name, it's, it's going to be terrible. He's Swiss, but I just feel like we're peas in a pod. Like he, I, I can talk to Adrian all day and all night about stuff. And uh, like, we've had conversations where I've almost come to tears because I felt like, um, he understood what I was trying to do so well. Uh, oftentimes people don't like, like, I really want to break this down into something uh, like a really simple problem. And, and they'll go, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I hear what you're saying. And then they'll come up with something much more complicated than it needs to be. And, and Adrian was one of the first person I'd ever talked to that when I said, we need to come up with a really simple problem. He was like, I get you. And he came up together. We came up with this incredibly simple thing. And, and I just felt like, well, I found a kindred spirit, you know, in a way that I, oh, I, it just felt really good. And, and, it, and I don't know, it, it was very emotional. I'm getting emotional now. I mean, 13 years before that I'd worked in a genetics lab and I loved those guys. And we had a great time doing work, hanging out, being pals and all those things. But none of them were like computer people. And I think fundamentally I'm a computer person. So when Audrey and I had that conversation and we just connected at that level, I was like, Oh, it's fun to be around computer people. You know, you know, it's, these are my people. I mean, I, I do love the geneticists, but, but I think fundamentally it's, it's cool to be around computer people. Well, speaking of being around computer people for the past week, you've been around at least a couple of them, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of drinking from the fire hose yeah. of how many computer people are around. Yeah. And I'm wondering about what your experience is like. And so for, for those who aren't familiar we had uh, a creator retreat through the, the agency that I started, Learn Media, uh, and Bright Data came in and they sponsored the whole thing. So again, a shout out to them. Um, but you know, what has that experience been like? I think we're we had at the peak, maybe sixteen, seventeen content creators around. Yeah, well, uh, it was incredible because again, almost all of these content creators also had day jobs. And I got to hear about what they do, what their, what their problems are, what they're excited about, uh, what's been, what's worked at work, what hasn't worked at work, what were, what companies, you know, what, what, you know, they, everyone seems to have worked for almost every company. You know, it's like everything was represented um, among the people that, that were here. And you could, the, you know, these people, the one company had this technology for databases and another company had another technology. And they were talking about how great it was to go from company A to company B. And just hearing about that and getting that context is something that I don't typically get on my own. And so it was sort of like being bathed in sort of the reality of what it means to be a data scientist or a data engineer um, or, or, you know, I don't know there's probably a million other names of the, the different types of people that were here. But I, you know, as someone who uh, I've spent a lot of time in academics, um, it was just great and enlightening and awesome to be around people that had nothing to do with academics and everything to do with sort of working in startups, working for major corporations and everything in between and sort of hearing what their, what their, um, pain points were, what, what, what made them happy and sort of what they were doing and how they were doing it. I, I agree so much. It's, it seems like even when you're at your, your job, right. Mm -hmm. You're in that sort of bubble. Yeah. You're seeing, the problems that you're running into with your technology stack or the opportunities that are facing your current company. 
And when you're hanging around people that you don't necessarily work with, you get to see all the other cool things that are happening. And that's something that I've realized is I need to sort of get outside my own bubble more. And whether, you know, it's like even in within the content creation niche, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, we're making videos on YouTube. How are people doing it on LinkedIn? Like I'm going to interview uh, yeah. Zach Wilson in a little bit. And he's doing unbelievable things on LinkedIn that I wouldn't necessarily have thought of. Or people who are streaming or on different platforms or whatever that might be. It just in my mind really pays to at least talk to people who are doing things differently in different places. Cause you get to learn from their experiences. You get to say, Hey, maybe they're doing it better than we are. How can I change it? Or this content is doing well on this place. Maybe I should try it here. Uh, I used to think that I could figure it out on my own, mm -hmm. but the idea that you have to sort of search for things a little bit or, or, or prod and, and, and poke around and, you know, meet different people and communicate with them has been revolutionary in any of the growth that I've had with mainly with my work. Yeah, no, it, it's been fantastic. And it's, and it's, it's been fun because I get to see the, the, the forest of what everyone does, but you know, through sort of individual conversations and one-on-ones, you get to also get to hear about the trees. And I don't know. I just love, I don't know. I just love the exposure and, and I'm already looking forward to doing this again, just so I can get some more of it. Amazing. Were there any particular conversations or particular people that they really stood out to you? Oh, and geez. you won't offend anyone by not, by not saying everyone. Um, I, 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 I had a great conversations with Shashank. Shashank Kalanithi. Yep. Um, and I had a great conversation with Avery uh avery smith avery smith um uh golly who uh oh i'm blanking i'm pretty much everyone i had great uh joe reese uh math matt hit his collaborator yeah, yeah. uh matt hules can't remember his last name i'm, I'm terrible, terrible with names, names too, so. um Alex, I mean, pretty much every, I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, Zach, everyone that's been here has given me some great insight. Um, um, Tina, uh, had a great conversation with her, great conversations with, uh, Miki, uh, and of course you, Thank uh, you. uh, it's just been wonderful. Um, so yeah, the whole crew has been, it's just been a fantastic, uh, uh, experience for me. Was there anything that surprised you about, you know, either the people or the actual event or any of those types of things? <laughs> everything kind of surprised me, to be honest. Yeah, but the first one, you don't have uh, no expectations of everything. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I, I'll be honest. About a week ago, I, I, I was convinced I was going to show up here in Salt Lake City and just be at the airport and go. Now what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> I was just—I mean, I'd never done this before. It was completely everything about it was completely new, and and I just didn't—I had no idea what to expect. And so everything was—you pulled up in this beautiful car <laughs> and picked me up and whisked me away, and I was like, "Wow, this is awesome!" Uh, so it, uh, yeah, uh, uh, everything has kind of surprised me, and, and the fact that it—that uh, it—I don't know—it's just. It's just this is very different from what my normal life. Uh, we we uh, we had great talks. We had great food. We went rock climbing today. We've done all kinds of stuff together that I would never. I would have never. I don't know. I just it was all great and 
and uh, and pleasing in in a way that was surprising in all the right ways. Amazing. Well, that makes me really happy to yeah. hear. Um, you know, something that I found very interesting with with trips like these is that everyone that comes they're they're sort of on the same page, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's novel for everyone, but everyone's there to learn and everyone's like very reliable and also very nice, mm-hmm. which was um, a bit of a departure from a lot of the trips that I've been on with like my friends growing up and those uh-huh. types of things. Yeah. They don't listen to my podcast, so I'm not super, <laughs> um, but, but you know, it's, it's, it's nice where there is this alignment between personal growth, between, uh, learning and between, I guess, like in some sense, like a, a, a business objective for being here, we're all trying to improve the content that we create, create more value and, you know, also potentially create more of a business for, for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that to me is something that I'm always constantly surprised by is just the, the quality of the, the group, you know, yeah, yeah. they're, they're, you know, knock on wood between the two trips we've done, there's been absolutely no drama. There's been nothing like, um, crazy that have aside from the, the hot tub stream. <laughs> <laughs> that was legendary. Uh, but, for those who don't know, we did a live stream from a hot tub. Yes, on Shashank's <laughs> channel. Um, yes, good old five dudes in a hot tub talking about data. What more could you ask for? Really, it was legendary. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, it makes me really happy to hear that the experience was good for you. Um, I think people would unanimously agree that the experience was, was better because you were there. You oh, were there as well. <laughs> that's really nice. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, Josh, those are, those are all the questions I have. Do you have anything you want to add? I, I definitely want to add that I'm going to link the book in the description. Definitely check it out on Amazon. Uh, I, I have, uh, a signed copy, which I am unbelievably grateful for. And I've, I've enjoyed reading it so much so far. Oh, well, I can, I just want to say thank you. I, 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 you know, when we first sort of started emailing i don't even know how we started contacting online a couple of years ago and and when you had me on on your show i i just feel like you've you've lifted me up and you've made me feel part of a community that uh that i'm excited to be a part that i'm re- that i feel really uh, honored and very privileged and, and and excited about being a part of a community that 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 i'd never as, as someone who came from a background in academics, never had an exposure to. And so with, with you, you, not only did you, you know, introduce me to a ton of people, you in, invited me to spend, uh, four or five days with them and, and all this, I don't know. I just, um, I'm just so happy that, that you've, you've been so generous and welcoming of, of me, uh, into this circle of friends. And it's just been a real pleasure. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that makes me so happy to hear um, it, it's interesting. I, I just really enjoy bringing people together, meeting people and, and uh, like creating groups. And, and to me, that's something that it's like, you know, where I live in Hawaii, there aren't that many people who, mm. um, I can talk about like a lot of the fun things that we talk about. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a little selfishly, it's like, wow, I can, I can meet people who I, I feel like are my people who are, um, you know, interested in the same things, have similar vision and goals. And if I can find them and 
you know, they're out there. Why not bring them together? And we can all do fun stuff together. Mm -hmm, We all get mm -hmm. this beautiful value of of each other's uh, experiences and, um, and, and time and, and also company. And so I'm just really happy that that this has worked. (laughs) Yay. Yeah, it has worked. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Josh. This was incredible. Um, Also, thank you to Bright Data for sponsoring this trip and making it financially possible for all of us to come out here as well. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Ken's Nearest Neighbors. Many of you have been asking about how you can support the show, and we're extremely grateful for all the engagement so far. The best way that you can show your support is to subscribe to both the Ken's Nearest Neighbors and the Ken's Nearest Neighbors Clips YouTube channels. If you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Music, giving us a rating and sharing any of the episodes with someone that you believe might find the content useful is also greatly appreciated. The Ken's Nearest Neighbors podcast is hosted by me, Ken G, produced by Bobby Hicks, and is edited by Mario Paul and Tony Pellaridi.